and welcome to our continuing study on Just a Thought on the book of Revelation. My name is John Cook. Today we're going to continue our study on Just a Thought on the book of Revelation chapter 12. We begin with uh, verse 4 today and uh, again I remind you that I'm a little nervous doing this so you bear with me and we'll see how she goes. So take your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4. Now it says, and his tail. Now to get that, his tail, we back up to the beginning of verse 3. And it says, and there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So as we look at Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4, we incorporate what we've already read in verses 1 through 3. And we notice that this great red dragon is waiting to devour the child that the first wonder in heaven, the woman who was about to give birth to the child that appeared in verse 1, and then this great red dragon's tail, the Bible says, drew the third part of the stars and did cast them to the earth. So this word stars, what does that deal with? I mean, you think about it. The, when, when you read the word stars, do we have to guess at what it means? Well, take your Bible and look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20. Now, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20, the Bible tells us the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So, these stars stand for angels and the dragon cast to earth one-third of the angels and according to this scripture he cast them to earth. Now these are angels that chose to follow the devil. They are fallen angels, and they have chosen to go the wrong direction. So instead of being exalted as the angels were, they are cast down to heaven. Then we read in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 13. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 13, we read, And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken 
of a mighty wind. So here we have a description of what is happening to these stars. Stars representing angels in verse uh, in verse 4, as we've already seen. These are fallen angels that are now cast onto the earth. And God's judgment against this world is to give them inhabitants like unto themselves. And that is, this world chooses to follow this dragon, Satan, the devil. And so they must live with the fallen angels that have chosen to follow the devil just like they have. So man makes a liar out of God by saying that God doesn't mean what he says in his word. And God says, all right, you want to live with liars? I'll give you a whole passel of them. One third of the stars of heaven are cast to this earth by the dragon, by the devil. The devil can do nothing except cast you down. The devil can do nothing but bring destruction and disaster in the life of all who choose to follow him. Jude chapter 1 and verse 6. Turn to Jude chapter 1 and verse 6. In Jude chapter 1 and verse 6 we read, And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. These were angels that chose to be like the devil, choose their own way. In fact, we find these angels in the Old Testament. We find them in Genesis and where the sons of God saw the daughters of men. And we'll get to that scripture in next. But first of all, take your Bible now and look at 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. Now in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, we read, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. So these are not the same angels. Because the angels we're reading about in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4 are cast down to the earth. But these angels are cast down into hell, the Bible says. They're delivered into chains of darkness. And he goes on to say, to be reserved unto judgment. So what are they waiting for? They are placed there awaiting judgment day. When they are going to appear before Almighty God and be judged for not keeping their first estate. Now, these angels that we saw in Revelation chapter uh, 12 and verse 4, we've said already, these are not the same angels. Because these are those 
who have chosen rather to keep not their first estate. What was their choice? Well, it's believed that, let's see, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 2 describes them. says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Now, we read about these same sons of God in Job chapter 1 and verse 2, in Job chapter 2 and verse 1, in Job chapter 38 and verse 7. These sons of God are angels. Now, that doesn't agree with what some theologians say, because some theologians say that these were, uh, these were the fallen men who chose to marry the Christian women. But there were no Christian women at that time. But there were daughters of men. And the Bible is very clear when you compare Scripture with Scripture. In the Old Testament, the only sons of God that are ever mentioned have to do with the, have to do with the angels in heaven. There are no Christians in the Old Testament. Christians don't appear till the book of Acts. And they're born again. There's no, born, no rebirth or being born again in the Old Testament. Now, these sons of God, then, that, were, that are being held in judgment are not the same ones we're talking about in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4, because these are cast into the earth. Then the dragon, it goes on to say, the dragon stood before the woman which was delivered to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was just, uh, born. The reality is, is that Satan's only desire is the destruction of God's will. In this case, he is going to try to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ when he's born into Israel. We've seen that already in Revelation or in Matthew and the scriptures that we read there. And then in Luke also. Now, Satan seeks the opportunity to destroy the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's been doing this right from the beginning. After he causes man to fall in the Garden of Eden, God sets out different ones to be that he deals with this world through. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Satan attacks those very same men. 
he attacks Noah, seeking to destroy him, to corrupt the seed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he seeks to destroy or seeks to, uh, to pollute or corrupt the seed of Abraham. When Sarah comes up with the deal about marrying her maiden, her Egyptian maid, then he seeks to corrupt the seed of Isaac. by various tests in Isaac's life. Then he seeks to corrupt Jacob. His failure in every case had to do with God intervening. Then in Israel, as a people, Satan's whole desire is to corrupt now, what does he do here with Mary? Well, with Mary, he seeks to stop the birth by Mary being destroyed. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13, let me see, I've got that on here somewhere. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13, the scripture says, and when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Now, this scripture doesn't deal with Mary. I've got the wrong scripture there. But it does deal with the, with the Messiah and, and the desire to destroy him. With Mary, in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph seeks to put her away privately because she is expecting the Christ child, the virgin birth. But God intervenes and tells Joseph, that this is the one that will be the savior of Israel. So, failing that, he tries to get Jesus destroyed by Herod. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16 Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men. The wise men had come to Herod and said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. My wire's coming out here. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So Herod tells them to go to Bethlehem, after he finds out that's where Jesus is to be born, this he finds out from the priest, the Levites, and he says, then bring me word. 
that I can go and worship him also. Of course, he was a liar. He wasn't trying to worship Jesus. He wanted to destroy Jesus. So the wise men go and they find the Christ child and they worship him and they present to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But they were warned of God by an angel that they were to go back a different way. Excuse me. Sorry about that. That they were to go back a different way and not to go to Herod, not to inform Herod. So Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, the scripture goes on to say in Matthew 2.16, was exceeding wroth. The devil never is pleased when he doesn't get his way. It's like the world. When they don't get their way from God, they get mad at God. Men spend a lot of time being mad at God because he won't let them have their way. And even at that, when he does let them have their way, they get mad at him for that. But he was exceeding wrath and sent forth and slew the children that were in Bethlehem in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So that right there shows you that Herod's whole purpose was to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ at his very birth. Satan desires only the destruction of the Christ child, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, not, being, not having accomplished his goal to corrupt the seed, then to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ when he's born, he then sets out to destroy him in the wilderness by corrupting the Lord Jesus Christ through the temptations that he brings uh, into the Lord Jesus Christ's life. In every case in the temptation, he, deliver, uh, he starts with this statement, if thou be the Son of God. And he doesn't give up because that very same statement we find again at the cross when the religious leaders said to Jesus hanging on the cross, if thou be the Son of God. Now, there was no doubt that Jesus was the Son of God. Satan knew he was the Son of God. The devils knew that he was the Son of God. So why would he question him? Because he wanted to get Jesus to question the will of God. He tried everything possible to destroy. And brother, he hasn't given up yet. Now it says, her child. This her, in this case, is Israel. Look at Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us, this is Israel, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Now listen to the description. 
description. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's this child that was born. And this child was the Son of God. So unto Israel a child was born. A son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was given. And he came to be the ruler of this world, but not yet. Not yet. First he came to die on the cross to pay for our sins, to pay for the sins of Israel, and to provide salvation for all who will believe. Think about that. What a, what a wonderful thought. What a wonderful truth that God provided a Savior, His beloved Son. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, that's a truth today that you ought to cling to. We ought to cling to it. What a wonderful truth. I'm saved because God so loved the world. And he gave his only begotten son. And this is the son that's being spoken of as being born of the woman. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4. We find something about the devil's attitude towards this son. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Having caused the fall of the woman and the man. God speaking to Eve in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. There's a great truth in that scripture. Multiplied great truths. But the great truth was the virgin birth, her seed. That speaks right there of the virgin birth because it was the woman's seed. And that's an impossibility with man because the woman doesn't have a seed. But God can do the impossible and did. And Jesus was born of the woman's seed. Jesus is the virgin-born Son of God. A child was given. A son was given. This very child, this very son, will one day return to this world and set up his kingdom, an eternal kingdom, the Bible tells us. 
Now, look at Revelation chapter 12 and verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. This is a description of the birth of Christ. She brought forth a man-child. Israel brought Jesus into this world. And he was caught up into heaven. Notice that she brought forth. Look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This is the birth of Christ. And this is a description of his birth. Not the birth of royalty, but nonetheless the birth of the king of Israel. The one who would rule all nations with a rod of iron, the Bible tells us. Now, look also at Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11 says, And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. Worshipped him like you would a king. And presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Dealing with gold, dealing with his deity. Frankincense dealing with his suffering for us on the cross and worship of God. And myrrh, dealing with the bitterness of sin that he would take upon himself and become for us. And notice it says, who was to rule all the world. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7, in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7, says of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So the Lord Jesus Christ, sorry about that, I had to move around. I was getting a little, my chair sinking in. <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world and was born as our Savior. But that didn't end his mission. His mission is to rule the world. And you know where he's going to rule from? The throne of David in Jerusalem. Where do you think all the problems are coming from in the Middle East? In Israel and all around that area. 
The problems are coming because the devil doesn't want God to accomplish his purpose. But the Lord Jesus Christ one day is going to come back and rule and reign from the throne of his father David in Jerusalem, the city of peace. A place that there will be no peace until Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom. And notice he's going to rule with a rod of iron. Now, look at Psalms chapter 2 and verse 9. This is the chapter where the scripture says, Why do the heathen rage? Well, now listen to what God says. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces with a potter's, like a powder's vessel. So the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come into this world. Sorry, i got to move page here. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come into this world. He is going to set up his kingdom. Things that can only happen when you go live. Lost my mic. We'll get back to it in a minute as soon as I get straightened out here. The joys of broadcasting live. <laughs> now, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to set up his kingdom in this world. He is going to rule with a rod of iron. And just as Psalms tells us, so we can also look at, let's see, Daniel, chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Daniel, chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. I saw in the night visions... And behold, one like the Son of Man came with, cloud, with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. Did you get that? All people of nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. There's no end to it. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. Kingdoms of this world can be destroyed. We're watching a lot of that destruction right now, today in our day and time, as politicians use this coronavirus to take away and destroy the freedoms, but not only that, to destroy the economy of the world. But you ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till the Antichrist shows up. But the Lord is going to destroy the Antichrist and set up his kingdom in Jerusalem and rule this world. 
every nation, every people, every language. In Revelation 2 and verse 27, Revelation 2 and verse 27 says, And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. Jesus Christ is going to rule this world. For lack of a better way of putting it, he's going to set up a military dictatorship. Look at Psalms again. Psalm chapters 2, verse 6 through 9. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Better be careful. Where that mosque of Omar stands today, Jesus is going to rule from it, from that hill. So something's going to destroy, destroy that. I say something. I know who's going to do it. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. Jesus Christ has been declared to be the Son of God. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Do you get the picture? Over and over again, God keeps saying the same thing about his ruling this world. But it hasn't happened yet. But it will happen. So what is going to happen? Well, what does happen, or I should say what does happen, what does happen is her child is caught up unto God and to his throne. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 9, Acts chapter 1 and verse 9 says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So Jesus has been caught up into heaven. And he is on the other side of the clouds, ruling and reigning with his Father in heaven. In, let's see, in uh, Psalms, chapter 68 and verse 18. Psalms chapter 68 and verse 18 says, Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. God sent his son into this world, born of a woman, born of Israel. And after his resurrection, Jesus ascends into heaven. He led captivity captive. He did what the blood of bulls and of goats couldn't do in the Old Testament. He paid for man's sin with his precious blood, the eternal blood of God. And now he's ascended to heaven. And then we're told in Acts 
chapter 2 and verse 33. Acts chapter 2 and verse 33. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, preaches this, that Jesus has been exalted to the right hand of God and has sent forth his Holy Spirit into this world. And we are now sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible later tells us. Then look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Jesus Christ is exalted to the right hand of God. What is he doing today? Well, brother, he's making intercession for us. We need somebody to make intercession for us. We need somebody to speak on our behalf before God. Because we're not able to do that outside of Jesus Christ. But in him we can come boldly to the throne of grace and cry, Abba, Father. Now, let me see, I've got to turn my page again. Look at Revelation chapter 7 and verse 17. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 17. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. The day is coming when we are going to be set free from this world and this body of flesh, this body of dust, we're going to receive an incorruptible body, an immortal body, the Bible calls it. And then the day is going to come when God himself is going to wipe away all tears from his children's eyes. And that includes our eyes. So what do we see then? We've seen the woman, the first wonder that appeared, the woman about to give birth. That old dragon, the serpent, the devil, waiting to destroy that child and seeking to destroy. And then we've seen the woman giving birth, the child being born to Israel, and that child being exalted to the right hand of the Father. What we look forward to in our lives as Christians is to see the king in his glory. 
to see the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And we're guaranteed that we are going to see the king in his glory, for we're going to live in his presence. This is the gospel message we have for this world, the gospel that Satan seeks to keep the men in the men of this world in darkness about. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll conclude with this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 through 6 says, In whom the God of this world, that's the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So what is Satan doing today? He blinds the men of those who have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as yet. He blinds their minds lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He blinds their minds and keeps them in darkness because he doesn't want the glorious gospel that we have to preach to this world to reach them. Paul goes on to say, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Our message is all about Jesus as the Lord, God Almighty, and ourselves, your servants, your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Now remember, the devil is in the business of keeping men in the dark, but God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Had shined in our hearts. That's why you're saved today. If you're saved and on your way to, 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 to heaven then you're saved because he's commanded his light to shine in your hearts, to give the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Get your eyes on Jesus, and you'll leave the darkness behind. That's the glorious gospel. The glorious gospel is, that if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. The glorious gospel is that if we'll call upon the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. The glorious gospel is that if we, with our mouths, confess the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, then we get saved. If we're born again, we're born of the seed of God, not of man, not of the will of the flesh, but of God. If you're not saved, get saved now. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ while there's time. Don't miss it. Well, may God bless you until the next lesson.